Small College Basketball would like to thank Visit Central Florida for their support. Start planning your Central Florida vacation now at visitcentralflorida.com. That's visitcentralflorida.com. Welcome back to the Small College Basketball Podcast. I'm Chris Cottrell. And I'm Rob Gardner. With more than 25 combined years of college basketball coaching experience, we bring you the only podcast with news, scores, highlights, interviews, and insight from across NCAA Division II, Division III, NAIA, USCAA, and the NCCAA men's basketball. We hope you 2022-2023 season as we celebrate small college basketball programs, players, and coaches together. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Small College Basketball Podcast. I'm Chris Cottrell. I'm joined again by Rob Gardner. We talked about all things small college basketball, including NCAA Division II, NCAA Division III, NAIA, NCCAA, and the USCAA. Last week, we offered up our bracketology. Rob and I broke down some of the best teams, players, and matchups that we expected to come out of NAIA, uh, NCAA Division III, and NCAA Division II. And, man, were we spoiled with a great couple of weeks of basketball. The NAIA and NCAA Division III tournaments did not disappoint. We crowned national champions in those divisions, as well as in the USCAA and the NCCAA. Rob, we got multiple national champions to discuss today. Uh, we want to break down the NCAA Division II Elite Eight, which tips off later this afternoon uh, on Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Uh, and... and I want to get your feedback because I said it to you earlier. I'm going to say it again. The madness doesn't discriminate. You know, I'm working our state tournament over the weekend, uh, fighting off a little bit of a bug. But, you know, you watch on TV, Division One. you're watching high school March Madness, you're watching uh, NAIA, Division Three March Madness. It doesn't discriminate. It's the greatest sporting event. When you get to one and done basketball, it's the greatest sporting event in our country. I mean, regardless of division level, like you're talking about, it does not discriminate, you know, the the drama and just how good the games were. And that was just what, you know, is most exciting to see, you know, at the Division Three National Championship level, at the NAI National Championship level specifically. You know, obviously Division One had, had a lot of madness, but, you know, the Division Three and NAI tournaments just upsets galore. And then both tournaments finished off with just super competitive national championship games and so it was just you know that's all you can hope for is just competitiveness and just competition in basketball at the highest levels chris yeah competition in basketball at the highest levels with so much on the line there's so much emotion um it is you know as a fan you become invested over that 40 minute stretch of time just because of the, the emotional turmoil that you go through watching the game um i, I mean Basketball, basketball's March Madness, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA does not disappoint. It never lets us down. And and Rob, kick us off with Division Three. What do we see happen? Yes, I mean let's start off here with Division Three. All right, I and mean, this was an instant classic here, Chris. All right, we got Christopher Newport versus Mount Union. But first, hey, we got to go back to kind of how we got here. All right, so let's start with the Final Four. All right, which had March sixteenth on Thursday. All right. So Mountain Union defeated Wisconsin Whitewater 83 to 79 behind a pair of double doubles. Christian Parker, right, All American, 29 points, 11 rebounds, 
Braden Poole, 11 and 12. Colin Gurley, 15 points. Jeffrey Mansfield kicked in 20 points as well, right? Now, you know, Mountain Union out-rebounded Whitewater, also 50 to 39, right? Just an incredible run for Mountain Union as they defeated Whitewater, only going one of 18 from the three-point line. Now, on the other side of the bracket, Christopher Newport defeats Swarthmore 69 to 66. Christopher Newport got big nights from Trey Barber, 21 points, John Hines, 22 points. And Christopher Newport, even though they won this game, they did not win the box score. They got out rebounded, only made 15 free throws. But where they won the game, Chris, was by only committing four turnovers. Christopher Newport shot 46% from the field, good enough to advance to the NCAA Division Three National Championship. Yeah, I mean, when I looked at the box score of CNU and Swarthmore, I couldn't figure out how to read it. I thought I was reading it wrong. All the metrics that we go by, Rob, you know, field goal percentage, field goal percentage defense, rebounding, um, you know, point, like, like free throws. Christopher Newport didn't win the box score until you go to you go to the assist and the turnovers and turn the ball over four times. That's an elite performance uh, in the backcourt. And we've said we've said all along, you got to have guards in March. Exactly. You got to have guards. And, yeah, just giving yourself you know extra bites at the apple. Right. Whether it's not turning the ball over, whether it's, you know, offensive rebounds, you know, a lot of times you see, you know, these games come down to just, OK, a, a difference in possessions. And so yeah, it, you know, if you can eke out extra possessions, offensive rebounds or winning the assist to turnover battle, that could be the difference in the game. Absolutely. Christopher Newport on their run, Rob only, only had two games, you know, in the round of the round of 32. And then again, in the round of 16, you know, they only had two games where they won by more than six points. Mm. Like they won some close games. They win by one in the first round. They win again uh, by six in the elite eight. They win by three in the final four and then we get to you know then we get to um their 74 72 victory over mount union in the national championship this game as we said earlier was an instant classic christopher newport's trey barber scored on a driving layup at the buzzer to give CNU the victory over Mount Union. He goes coast to coast in just a shade over four seconds, giving them uh, their first national championship. And this game was a was basically, if you had the ball last, you had, a, you had a shot to win it. With 17 seconds to go, Mount Union's All-American Christian Parker gets a layup. They go up 70-69. The next possession, Ty Henderson and Christopher Newport gets a three-point play. So they go up 72-70. Each team gets one more possession. If you're keeping track at home, this is going like crazy in the last 17 seconds. Uh, the final possession from Mount Union ties the game. There's four seconds to go. Christian Parker hits a jumper from Mount Union. Uh, everybody's nodded at 72. Mount Union, no timeout. They get the ball and bounce to Trey Barber, sprints down the court, and just gets it high off the glass. It falls through as time expired. Uh, Christopher Newport wins the national championship. They finished 30-3 and overall. Uh, remarkable victory considering it was their 15th straight win. And some really big-time performances. Just, you know, the, the execution in the endgame from both teams should be uh, should be praised, you know, Mount Union and Christopher Newport playing as well as they did down the stretch. Rob, what stands out for you from this game? I mean, honestly, the I mean, a matchup of two very, you know, kind of equal teams. And really, I just enjoyed watching the matchup of Trey Barber and Christian Parker. 
I mean, just two beasts in the post, both versatile players. I mean, Christian Parker, first-team All-American, stepping out, hitting threes, was unguardable in the post. I mean, he ended up with, what, 31-14. and 14. Barber ended up with 25-10. and 10. And yeah. so watching those two go at it, Chris, you know, what was truly like a, an epic clash of the Titans there, you know? And, you know, like we talked about earlier with Christopher Newport, I mean, they had 10 more field goal attempts than Mount Union in this game. And so, you know, I think an, an underrated thing or maybe an underrated player in this game, I think, was uh, fur off the bench for Christopher Newport. All right. Came in, hit four big time threes. Yeah. Four so for four. Were, yeah, yeah. Four big shots off the bench. And, you know, he, he's giving himself big celebrations and the bench is going crazy every time. And so, I mean, it, it was just a great game to watch, you know, just the level of talent. All right. And just once again, you know, I know we're like a broken record here talking about this, but Division three is such a high level of basketball. Christian Parker can play on a variety of Division two NAIA teams. Colin Gurley last year, Mountain Union's starting guard, played at Youngstown State Division one. And so, you know, in, in that combination of Colin Gurley and Christian Parker, that high ball screen was tough for Christopher Newport to stop every game. You know, that was the play you were describing there, Chris, was just high yep. ball screen. You know, Colin Gurley downhill, drew two, dished it off for Christian Parker with four seconds, laid it up, and you think, hey, that could be it. But no, no. I mean, Trey Barber, give me the ball coast to coast. Get out of my way. I'm going to set Twitter on fire. Yeah, I love I love with four seconds to go. They just get the ball into Barber, and he he's a jet, man. You know, I think it took him four dribbles yeah. to get coast to coast. You got four <laughs> seconds to get four dribbles. You know, somehow, somehow you got to get the ball stopped, get it under control. But credit to Christopher Newport. You know, you look at the box score again. They're a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. They had nine assists, nine turnovers. You look in the box score, Mount Union, unfortunately, seven assists to 11 turnovers. Like you said, just more bites at the mm-hmm. apple. Just yeah. more bites at the apple. And, you know, like we're, we're hammering home. I mean, Christopher Newport shot 36% from the field. Mountain Union shot 44%. And so even though Mount shot, you know, a better percentage, Christopher Newport just had 10 more field goal attempts. They got to the free throw line 10 more times. And so, you know, just giving themselves, you know, that many more opportunities. I mean, this is literally, it's a one possession game right down to the last millisecond and every extra possession counts. Yeah, absolutely. Every possession counts. And I think like the, be- the the further you advance in any of these tournaments at any level, you see better ball control, you see better execution. You know, you heard it on um, on March Madness on CBS. I think it was Calvin Sampson. It was like at this point of the season, it's discipline and details. You got to keep mm-hmm. doing the same things you've done. You got to be disciplined, you know, to do them and have the detail, the attention to detail to follow through with it. So I, I just love that the level that this game was played at. If you go back and watch it on NCAA.com, it's it's a treat to go watch. Uh, I do want to hammer uh, hammer home Rob on the NCAA Division Three All Americans and the award winners. Oh, Chris, Chris, before, before we get yeah. to the, the D3 All-American award yep. winners, I wasn't, you know, I was very impressed with, with Coach Christopher Newport, <clears throat> John Krikorian, his yes. his poise and composure. He didn't pull the uh, the Eric Musselman and go rip his shirt off, you know, <laughs> and say, everybody look at me, you know. So, but I was very impressed with, with his poise and composure, you know. But, yeah, Coach Moss and, and the Arkansas Razorbacks just taking his shirt off there, you know, as time expired. <laughs> Yeah, I, I much prefer the I much prefer the shirt on celebration just <laughs> yeah. personally. Um, yes. Yeah, so the D3hoops.com All-American team, the national award winners. This year's player of the year, Alex Sobel from Middlebury. 
the rookie of the year, Jalen Overway from Calvin, the coach of the year, Sean Smith from North Park. First team All-Americans with our All-American teams. Yeah, first team All-Americans, all right? Studs of D3. Tyson Cruikshank out of Wheaton. Raheem Anthony, guard out of St. Mary's, Minnesota. Christian Parker, who we've just talked about, forward out of Mountain Union. Miles Mallory, national champion last year, forward with Randolph-Macon. And then player of the year, Alex Sobel, out of forward out of Middlebury. Then we get to the second team All-Americans. Josiah Johnson, at a guard from Mary Harden Baylor. Mitch Prendergast, guard from Case Western Reserve. Levi Borchert, forward from UW Oshkosh. Forward Jeff Hunter from Keene State. And big man in the middle, center Jared Houston from Emerson. All right now, I mean, Chris, the, the NAI, all right, moving on here, the NAI was as equally as exciting. And the lead eight tipped off here Wednesday, March 15th in Kansas City. And, you know, kind of what we see here in the NAI, Chris. Uh, you know, the NAI, again, equally as exciting, like you said. Number one coming in, College of Idaho defeated Tugaloo 83-66 in the first round. College of Idaho, obviously number one uh, in the Naismith quadrant. They were led by Jake O'Neill, had 20 points. Uh, Charles Elsey finished in double figures with 11. Drew Wynn led the team with 10 rebounds. You know, the, the College of Idaho, we talked about it all season. They're so balanced. They had 11 players score in uh in that round of uh eight uh you know the first upset we saw the first upset came from ottawa university of arizona who defeated montana tech ottawa was number seven uh montana tech was number four 76 58 ottawa university runs away with it uh out of the kramer bracket you know they advanced to the national semis to the fab four for the first time in program history Josiah De La Carta had 20 points. Senior guard Colton Hitt scored 17 points, while sophomore guard Alex Villi finished with 11. Devin Collins led Ottawa on the glass with 10 rebounds. Again, we've seen balanced scoring from Ottawa all year, 10 players score, and they assisted on almost half of their field goals. So like we've talked about in Division Three, Rob, the ball's moving. Guys are getting good shots, and they're taking care of it. Montana Tech. Uh, had some nice performances from Camden Lawrence, 16 points, and Asia Williams uh, with 15 points. On the other side of the bracket, Rob, we had another upset. Number three, Georgetown, Kentucky takes down Grace, Indiana, 92-85. What'd you see here, Rob? I, I mean, I don't want to say shock. I mean, because Georgetown is a you know they're they're a legendary program. You know, one of the best NAI programs. You know, year in and year out. And but still. I, I was I was a little surprised. I mean, Grace. I mean, I think you both you and I, Chris, have been on Grace all year long. You know, just impressed with their overall skill set, their their balance, offense and defense. You know, but Georgetown took it to them, right? Then they upset not only Grace, number one team in that bracket, but they also upset the number two team, Langston, in that bracket, right? And so you know they they upset both the number one and number two teams to advance. Senior led by senior guard Jake Omer with 21 points in the first half. All right, overall led the team with 33 points, his high for the whole season in that that's game. A good, that's a good time for a season high. Oh, yes, it is. Hey, Omer went seven for 12 from three. All right, so sharpshooter. He, he, you know, a lot of times you get into kind of some of those tournaments, you know, neutral gyms, neutral courts. And, you know, maybe shooters can't necessarily find that their, you know, their rhythm or their range or their, or it's an eyesight or something like that. 
no, Omer was good. All right. This was at, yeah, municipal uh, stadium out there. You know, was it in uh, Kansas City, Missouri? And yeah, yeah, Jake Omer felt right at home there. And so, yeah, Omer was seven for 12 from three. Kyron Jones had a double double, 24 points, 12 rebounds. And Tay Dozier finished in double figures as well with 18 points for the Georgetown Tigers to advance. Now, Indiana Tech. Speaking again of upsets, took down number one, Arizona Christian, 67 to 64. All right. Taking down the number one seed in the Liston quadrant. All right. Indiana Tech was led by Blake Davidson with 20 points on six of eight shooting. Josh Klein scored 12 points for the Warriors. Now, of the 22 field goals made, the Warriors had 13 assists. So just like you're talking about, Chris, there, right? Teams that are unselfish, share the ball. And Indiana Tech out rebounded the Firestorm. 42 to 26. Yeah, that's, that's a big, that's a big margin. When you look at 42, 26, we're talking about extra possessions, taking care of the ball. Um, You know, we get to the, we get to the fab four the next day. And I, they refer to it as the fab four the next day. And as opposed to what we saw with the upsets, Rob, we get chalk. Mm-hmm. We get chalk in, in this game. College of Idaho defeated Ottawa of Arizona 73-72 in a really close, uh, closely contested game. Indiana Tech defeated Georgetown, uh, you know, coming back from 16 points down, 80-71. So we have the national championship set up for Saturday the 18th. It's a great day for basketball. And Number one, College of Idaho versus a two seed uh, versus the two seed Indiana Tech. And, and what we saw again was just the College of Idaho. You know, I, I, I don't I didn't feel as though the game was ever in question, Rob. It was certainly close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was certainly close. The score was close. But College of Idaho secures a 73-71 win uh, for their first ever Red Banner. You know, they led by as many as 21 points in the first half, 23 in the second half. Indiana Tech kicked it into high gear. They, they mounted a really strong comeback. They got 18 points from Rod Stein, um, trimming the lead to four. But they just could not get over the hump. Obviously, it's a two-point margin. Uh, you know, Jake O'Neill had a terrific outing for the College of Idaho. He had 15 points, 12 rebounds. Samaje Morgan added 13 points. Tyler Robinette added 11. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, Charles Elzey, the, the, the Chuck Taylor Tournament MVP of the NAIA uh, National Tournament. He led the College of Idaho with 67 total points in three games in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, 11 points in the round of eight, 21 points in uh, their final four, fab four victory, I'm sorry, and 10 points on Saturday. You know, what did you see from Indiana Tech? And then what did you see, Rob, from uh, uh, College of Idaho? I mean, College of Idaho came out the gates, you know, guns a-blazing. You know, led by their big man, Tyler Robinette, who just came in, you know, I think, you know, a couple of games in a row, just first possession of the game, he just sits back and strokes a three. And, you know, when your center's doing that, you know, that sometimes puts a lot of fear into teams, all right, just as far as spacing, as far as it takes kind of the opponent's big man out of the game a little bit when, you know, your starting center starts to hit threes. And that's what College of Idaho does. They space you out, right? They run kind of some some blocker mover initiators, a lot of screens in their offense. They play, you know, five guys that can all shoot it pretty much in their starting five. And so they really space you out. 
But then they play a really interesting zone. And, you know, something that's really frustrated teams kind of all year, all year long. I mean, obviously they've won 36 games in a row. And so, yeah, you yeah. know, but they're, they're, they got a kind of a matchup two, three zone and they'll match up when the ball goes to the high post, they'll play some one, three, one, and then that kind of morphs into a two, three. And so they really take you out of your rhythm offensively. And I mean, you know, Chris, you, you can sit down and, you know, especially with like a one or two day prep, this is your first time playing at College of Idaho, a zone like that can really take you out of rhythm. I think Indiana Tech was really taken out of rhythm that first half. I mean, they were down 23 points at yeah. one point in the second half. And I think they were really, you know, and they, like you said, they fought back. Rog Stein, Josh Klein, Grant Smith really did a great job getting it back to four points. But I really think it, College of Idaho's zone really took Indiana Tech and the Warriors out of rhythm there in the first half. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, just – Again, a one-day prep, that's what makes the tournament so great is, is everyone's got the same amount of time. Everyone's got the same amount of uh, you know, preparation opportunity. And it's really who can adjust quick, the quickest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think, like you said, Indiana Tech, obviously we know they have the weapons. But if you're not comfortable on a one-day prep and, and if you're going against a zone that you haven't seen in a while, especially – you know, especially in a, in a shooting venue like the Municipal Center, it could change your feel for the game. Um, and so like, all credit to uh, College of Idaho. Again, like we said, their first loss of the season was to Arizona Christian. They were 0-1 to start the year. They finish 36-1. and Pretty incredible run. Uh, Rob, the all-tournament team. what was yep. said in that locker room after that Arizona Christian loss? I want to know. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to bottle it up, though, and get it up here. Yes. How about, yes. How about what was said you know, How about what was said in the locker room after they finally win the national championship? Oh, how about that? Like that, to go 36 straight. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That, that's unbelievable. And yeah, College of Idaho, I mean, just a super impressive team. I mean, they made the Elite Eight last year. Um, yep. and, you know, like the, the Warriors kind of uh, – Golden State Warriors mantra from, you know, uh, those first couple of teams that strengthen numbers. Yep. And I think that really kind of personifies this College of Idaho team. Coach Colby Blaine, you know, coach of the year in the Cascade Conference, really did a great job. You know, all those people that, you know, we've mentioned – with College of Idaho, we haven't even mentioned their actual leading score for the whole year, which was Johnny Radford off the bench. You know, he didn't yeah. really, you know, he still play, played his butt off, but didn't have the best shooting tournament. And College of Idaho still, you know, <laughs> was just, you know, demolishing people, you know, and just, you know, winning games and win the national championship without their leading score, really playing, you know, kind of his normal game of, of just scoring and, and shots and whatnot. So just a true team effort from College of Idaho and Coach Colby Blaine. Absolutely. All, uh, all credit to them. And speaking uh, uh, of coach, coach Kobe Blaine, he was named NAIA men's basketball coach of the year. Mm-hmm. And that'll kick off our recognition of the all tournament team uh, from the NAIA national championship. Of course, Charles Elsie from the college of Idaho, Samaje Morgan college of Idaho, Tyler Robinette college of Idaho, Raj Stein, Indiana tech, Josh Klein, Indiana Tech, Jake Omer from Georgetown, Kyron Jones from Georgetown, Josiah De La Creta from Ottawa University, Colton Hitt from Ottawa, and Elijah Malone from Grace. Uh, what were the other awards, Rob, that the NAIA gave out? Yeah, we got Grant Smith from Indiana Tech winning the Charles Stevenson Hustle Award, Charles Elsey from the College of Idaho winning the Chuck Taylor Most Valuable Player, 
Kyle Blankenship from LSU Shreveport won the Charles A. Kreigel Sportsmanship Award. And then, like we already said, Coach Colby Blaine, College of Idaho, NAIA, Men's Basketball, National Coach of the Year, very well-deserved. And so, you know, as we move here, Chris, we're going to move into, you know, the NCCAA. And so, you know, what happened with the NCCAA this past weekend? Well, man, Rob, we got more national champions to crown and awards to recognize. So the NCCAA recognized Jacob Dries of Cedarville University. He was the 2023 Pete Maravich Award recipient for men's basketball for Division One in NCCAA. He averaged 13 and a half points per game, nine rebounds per game and four assists per game to help Cedarville finish 18 and 11. He had 12 double doubles on the year and he recorded a triple double 20 points, 10 rebounds and 11 assists in a win over Findlay university. So congratulations to Jacob Dries of Cedarville. And this, this tournament, the NCCAA's division one tournament kicks off. Uh, March 16th with their final four. We saw Clinton defeat the University of Fort Lauderdale. Seven. Clinton was led by Cam Shannon, 12 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Paul Romaselli had 15 points, was 7-7 seven seven from the three-point line. Clinton got 31 points from their bench players to run away with the 71-64 win. So that's the first team that advances to the national championship. Bethel University, who was ranked number one, defeated the number four seed. Talk about chalk. Uh, Geneva College, 74-63. Another game where uh, the, the top seed was able to kind of run away. Uh, we see Alanis Pasilius with 15 points. 14 rebounds to lead Bethel. He had a double-double. Brandon Hunt, 17 points, six rebounds. Lyle Tipton uh, helped Geneva with a double-double, 27 points, 11 rebounds, and a losing effort. On that night, the biggest standout stat, uh, Bethel out-rebounded Geneva 50-34. And in, in March, whether it's NCCAA, USCAA, or NCAA Division One, it's a possession game. So we've seen how important that is throughout our conversation today. And then March 18th, this Saturday, just like everybody else in the small college level, we had championship Saturday. Bethel University, number one seed, went off against number three, Clinton College. Uh, neither, neither team... Uh, was separated by more than six points. Bethel led 34-30 at halftime. Uh, and 35 points from Drew Lutz secured the national championship for Bethel University. Uh, they last won the national championship in 2007. Uh, Life Granville had 15 points, 13 rebounds. Alanis Basilis, 11 points, 10 rebounds. So Bethel University, the NCCAA Division I national champions this year. Uh, really, really impressive performance to have three guys in double figures and two double doubles coming at you uh, in the NCCAA. Yeah, I mean, just a, a tremendous, you know, tournament here, Final Four to championship, and, you know, a great job for Bethel there. And, you know, as the great, you know, like you mentioned there with the rebounding margin, you know, as the great basketball philosopher, philosopher Pat Riley once said, no rebounds, no rings. That's right. right? And so you want to win, you got to get rebounds. So, you know, getting into some of the awards here, right, for the NCCAA, all right, as we mentioned before, the recipient of the Pete Maravich Award was Jacob Dries from Cedarville University. 
The NCCAA Men's Basketball National Tournament most outstanding player was Drew Lutz from Bethel University. The all-tournament team, Drew Lutz, obviously, back on there for Bethel. Alonis Pasulius from Bethel University. Cameron Shannon, Clinton College. Trevor Tipton, Geneva College. Aubrey Washington from the University of Fort Lauderdale. And congratulations in order to Jordan White of Manhattan Christian College, MCC. Uh, Jordan White was the 2023 Pete Maravich Award recipient for Division II men's basketball in NCCAA. White led the team in rebounds with seven rebounds per game and assists per game at three and a half. He was second in Manhattan Christian College uh, team scoring 14 points per game. So congratulations. Congratulations to Jordan White. This year's National Christian Collegiate Athletic Association Division II Men's Basketball National Champion is Kansas Christian College, winning their first ever national championship. They had a commanding 98-73 victory over Manhattan Christian. Jamal Clark had a triple-double in the national championship game, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists to lead KCC to the national championship. Uh, Jamal Clark was also named most outstanding player for the tournament. Congratulations to the NCCAA National Coach of the Year. Greg Fawbush from Welch College, the 2023 Player of the Year, Anthony Williams from Toccoa Falls College, and NCCAA Division II National First Team All-Americans, Chris Barnett, Faith Baptist College, Micah Filer, North Central University, Kylan Shipp from Great Lakes Christian College, Anthony Williams from Toccoa Falls College, Aaron Jones, A.J. Williams from Champion Christian College. So congratulations to all those players. And Rob, we, we move into one of our last segments of small college basketball, but not our last segment. We got one more national champion to talk about and one more division to get to. Yes, and we are we're finishing out here with the USCAA. And in Division Two, the Division Two Penn State Wilkes Bar captured captured the men's Division Two USCAA title. Penn State Wilkes Bar finished the season at twenty five and eight, and they were led by Anthony Picot with twenty three points and a Rose J with twelve points off the bench. So congratulations to Division Two Penn State Wilkes Bar. Now for USCAA in Division One, Salem University capture the USCAA Men's Division I Championship. Justin Tenne scored 16 points and had nine rebounds to lead three in double figures on Thursday as the Salem Tigers defeated Brighton and Stratton Buffalo 76-59 to for the 2023 USCAA Men's Division I National Championship held at Virginia State University. Now, joining him in double figures were Rodney Smith with 15, Stan and Stan Smith with 11 points. Finishing out here, the Division I USC, USCAA All-Tournament Team. Sean Eli from the Apprentice School, Sam Dorsant from Brighton Stratton Buffalo, DJ Little, Brighton Stratton Buffalo, Riley Hetherington, Salem University, Justin Tenney, Salem University, and tournament MVP for USCAA Division One junior guard Stan Smith. Yeah, really an incredible an incredible effort from uh, both Penn State Wilkes Bear and then Salem University 
uh, to win national championships in the USCAA division of small college basketball. And, and man, that's a wrap for our national championship discussion. But we have one more champion to crown, Rob, in NCAA Division Two. So let's move into the second portion of our episode. And let's talk NCAA Division Two basketball, of course, uh, on Wednesday and uh, March 14th. We cruised into the Sweet 16 and uh, crowned eight regional champions that day. Um, like to mention that we've talked a lot about this team throughout the podcast this year. And when the Elite Eight tips off later today at 1 o'clock in the afternoon from Evansville, Indiana, it's the first time since 2018 the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats are not a member of the Elite Eight field. They're not defending the national championship. So it's going to feel know, weird. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like we had to mention them because they're Northwest Missouri State. This is a small college basketball podcast, mm-hmm. but that's it. That's all they get for this episode because we're headed off to the Elite Eight. And, you know, the top seed is, as everyone expects, Nova Southeastern. Uh, they're going to take on number eight seeded Missouri of St. Louis, UMSL. The number two seed heading into the Elite Eight is West Liberty taking on New Haven. Uh, number three seed, Black Hill State versus Minnesota, Duluth, number six seed. And I think one of the more intriguing matchups, number four seeded Cal State San Bernardino and fifth seed Lincoln University. Um, that'll be the Elite Eight kicking off at 1 o'clock this afternoon from Evansville, Indiana. Uh, let's let's get into it, Rob, right away and start with the first game. Third-seeded Black Hill State, number three. Minnesota Duluth, seeded number six. The NCAA, real quick, Rob, let's talk about this. The NCAA reseeds the Elite Eight in Division Two once they advance out of their region. So anything you saw with the seeding that surprised you? Let's go there first. Uh, I mean, with the seeding, not as much, just because I think, you know, obviously you start at the top, Nova Southeastern is without a doubt, you know, the the undisputed number one when it comes to the seeding. West Liberty, you know, 31 and three, Mountain East regular season and tournament champs, a very deserving number two. You know, Black Hill State at number three, you know, might have been, you know, maybe if anyone were to question anything. But still, I mean, Black Hill State, they made the final four last year. You know, they're, you know they, they're coming out of one of the toughest regions, the, the South Central region, the RMAC Conference. You know, they're led by Joel Scott. So, I mean, they definitely have the talent, the experience, and the pedigree to be a number three seed. But then you got, you know, San Bernardino at four, Lincoln Memorial at five. You know, either of those teams could have had an argument to be a little bit higher. But at the end of the day, I mean, you take the seeds away. You got eight teams here that are all playing well at the right time, that are loaded with talent, with great coaching. And so whether you're the first seed, whether you're the eight seed, whether you're the four seed, you got to play, you know, if you want to win it all, you got to beat three really good teams here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we look at the first game of the day. It's number three, Black Hill State versus number six, Minnesota Duluth. Black Hill State comes in 28 and five. They're going to represent the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference Duluth, 26-9 and nine coming in out of the Northern Sun Intercollegiate, uh, Intercollegiate Conference. 
two really strong conference conferences represented right away. You know, what are your first here, Rob, when you look at Duluth and you look at Black Hill State? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, these are two teams that I think both of us, Chris, had circled four months ago, five months ago at the beginning of the year as two teams that are going to contend for the national championship. And, you know, I kind of compare, you know, specifically Minnesota Duluth to, you know, like a University of Arkansas at the Division One level right now, to where Arkansas was a preseason top 10 team in the country. You know, they kind of went through some ups and downs, all right? I mean, Minnesota Duluth, you know, ended up losing nine games this year, but they're playing well at the right time. And, you know, they're led by, I mean, just some some stud, you know, uh, players here with Drew Blair, Charlie Katona, Austin Andrews, Josh Brown. I mean, Drew Blair, if you haven't watched him, I mean, he, he I, I said earlier in the year, he's kind of like a D2 Larry Bird. I mean, that guy, is, he can stroke it. He hits, you know, some funky shots. He shoots threes from deep. But, you know, if we're talking players, we got to talk about Black Hill State and Joel Scott. I mean, that guy was an All-American last year. He's back again. He's going to be an All-American this year. He was the South Central Player of the Year, all right, or uh, Regional Player of the Year, 25 points, 14 rebounds in the championship game. And it's kind of a, if you want to look at here, true offense versus defensive matchup here. I know, obviously, Chris, both teams are, are, are well-balanced, but Black Hill State is elite offensively, all right? Number seven offensive efficiency in the country, while – Minnesota Duluth right now, just in the NC, just based off NCAA tournament numbers, are number two in the field in defensive field goal percentage. And so, you know, we got a true, you know, contrast, not necessarily of styles, but just Black Hill State has an elite offense. Minnesota Duluth has an elite defense. And so kind of who's going to break first there? Yeah, I, I, you know, you go back and you look at how they got here. Black Hill State mm. had a defeat number one ranked in the region, West Texas A&M, who we've talked about, um, you know, quite a bit. And uh, I just, I, I think, you know, I think what stands out is, you know, Black Hill State gets 25 and 14 from Joel Scott. He has, um, you know, he has a really good night from the field, eight out of 13. Then they get 14 points from, you know, PJ Hayes, uh, just a balanced attack. They have six guys that score seven guys that score. And, and you look at what they did defensively against one of the better driving teams in, in the country, you know, West Texas A&M can deck it and drive it. And they held them to 35% from the field. So if you're, if you're going to score at an elite level and then lock up defensively like that, I think that's a great recipe for success. And, and the other thing we've talked about all, uh, you know, other thing we've talked about really all, 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 all podcast long today is, you know, assistant turnovers, Black Hill state turned it over, you know, 18 times, but again, they come back and they're able to, to get stops or able to out rebound West Texas, just win enough possessions where they can pull away, you know, with a one point victory to go to the, the, the final, the, the elite eight um, Duluth, you know, Duluth comes out of the Northern Sun, and they're just so tough, like you said, Rob. Yeah, I mean, they're they're literally just out of the, the icy tundra of Minnesota, and they're tough. I mean, you got Josh Brown, Austin Andrews are, are two of the toughest guys to play out there, and Drew Blair is as skilled as they get. And, you know, just it's, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. How do they guard Joel Scott? 
right? Do they play yep. them one-on-one? Do they just shrink the floor? Do they give them a hard double? I mean, Joe Scott has just been a wrecking ball all year. And so, I mean, that's going to be a heck of a matchup of Austin Andrews and Joel Scott. And really just kind of see, I mean, can Austin Andrews, you know, can he handle Joel Scott one-on-one or is he going to command a double? And hey, Black Hill State, Coach Ryan Thompson has done a great job recruiting. They got shooting all around Joel Scott. So, um, you know, they've seen every different type of double this year, whether it's off the passer, off a low man, you know, off a player. They Joel Scott's seen every type of double there is. And so if you're going to double them, they've got shooting with Matthew Ragsdale, with P.J. Hayes. You know, they've got guys around them who can knock down shots if you commit two to Joel Scott. Yeah, absolutely. I think guarding Joel Scott is going to be huge. And, you know, in this game, I really think it comes down to the possession battle. They're, they're pretty evenly matched. Um, you know, it comes down to possessions, assists, turnovers, and rebounds. Rob, second game of the day is number two, West Liberty from the Mountain East and New Haven, number seven out of the Northeast 10. A couple of numbers to throw at you before you, you throw more back at us. West Liberty, 31-3 and three overall. They're riding a 16-game winning streak. New Haven, 23-10. and 10. Um, interesting, interesting things to note here. West Liberty leads the country in assists per game. They lead the, the country in assist to turnover ratio at 1.93. So, you know, almost two to one assist to turnover ratio, uh, you know, really, really strong. Um, New Haven is the third best field goal percentage defense team in the country. They're holding their opponents to 39%. And New Haven also fouls the least per game in the country. They commit only 10 and a half fouls per game. Um, so I think that's, you know, interesting things to keep an eye on. When you look at numbers, you know, you got a great field goal percentage defense, very efficient defensively against West Liberty, who moves the ball well, shares the ball well, and shoots 12 threes, makes 12 threes a game for tops in the nation. So, when you look at these two teams, Rob, what stands out to you? Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. You know, it's a broken record here, but a true contrast to Styles. You know, New Haven Styles, is – Styles, yes. Yes. New Haven is a true elite defense. All right, like you talked about. They don't – they barely foul. You know, they have the – just in the NCAA tournament alone. All right, they have the number one defensive free throw percentage, only 5.3 percentage, like you talked about earlier, with other teams not getting to the free throw line against them. In the NCAA tournament alone, they have the number three field goal percentage defense right now. Contrast that with West Liberty, number two offensive efficiency, right? Number one in threes made per game. And so it it truly is going to be an an interesting thing here. And, I mean, West Liberty, Coach Ben Hallett's done a phenomenal job there. Bryce Butler is one of the best players in the country. And at any level, I mean, he can score. He can light it up from all three levels. All right, they got surrounded by Malik McKinney, Christian Montague. Christian Montague, if you guys haven't watched him, one of the best defenders in the country. And so in West Liberty, you know, kind of similar with Nova here, West Liberty, everyone looks at their offensive numbers, all right, which is they, they've earned that. But they can really lock you down defensively too. I mean, what they did to IUP in that regional final game, they held IUP to 53 points. And, <laughs> I mean – and once again, hey, Chris, we're, we're not in the prediction business, but, you know, I, I, that game could have gone either way bef- before the game, I thought. But to hold IEP to 53 points, I did not see that. So that's a great job defensively for Coach Ben Hallett and his team right there. And so 
and, and the real interesting thing here, you kind of take numbers out of it, all right? You know, I watched a lot of that that West Liberty IUP game and watched a lot of the press conferences leading up to it and afterwards. And, you know, it truly seemed like like Coach Ben Hallett and Bryce Butler and Christian Monty and those guys had a true chip on their shoulder. And, you know, you throw numbers out of it, Chris, at this time of year, you know, if you can play with that motivation, with that chip on your shoulder, you can beat anybody. And so if West Liberty keeps that chip on their shoulder, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, they got five guys in double figures. They got, you know, six guys at over nine points per game. They have, um, you know, they got eight guys, nine guys, ten guys that play more than ten minutes a game. So they are deep. They are efficient. And their style, you know, we've talked about this. The, you know, New Haven, New Haven playing West Liberty in the first round actually has the most benefit of anyone playing West Liberty. Yeah, because they get to prepare and and their system, their style that Coach Hallett has there is so challenging to prepare for. Um, If you've got, you know, three, four, five days like you do right now, you have a huge advantage. I mean, if West West Liberty advances to the final four, the one day prep for their full court pressure and their offensive offensive aggressiveness and their spacing is really, really hard. It's just mm-hmm. so hard to simulate. So I think if if West Liberty gets through the first round, they've got a huge advantage going forward. I do like that New Haven, you know, they've got um, – they've had great outings, you know, all season long. You know, Major Majak, you know, seven points per game, 11 rebounds per game. They're great on the glass. I do enjoy – um, you know, three guys in double figures, four guys over seven points per game, five guys over seven points per game. So, like, again, when you get to this point in the year, it's really about who who executes better, who who wins the possession battle, and then, you know, do you do what you're good at? Do you not get out of character, right? Like, exactly. Do you, do you not, do you do what you do? And, you know, I, I think that's one of the hardest things for kids to learn is, hey, like, you know, you've been playing great for 28 minutes. You've been playing great for, you know, uh, 36 minutes. You got the last four minutes to close it out. Don't deviate from that. Do what you do, what you do, be who you are and be what's got us to this point. Same thing for the first, you know, whatever, 31, 32, 33 ga- games that these teams have played. Be who you are. Uh, mm-hmm. And don't let, don't let, you know, the moment get ahead of you. Easier said than done. Oh, so, for sure. Especially when you're playing, you know, against a team like West Liberty that, that speeds yeah. up the game, you know, but Hey, I mean, it, New Haven's got a super talented team, Ty Perry, Kwashawn Lane. All right. Two very talented players. And, and like you mentioned them, you know, Major Majak, I'm sorry, I butchered the name there. All right. But hey, <laughs> I he, think we both did. He's the defensive player of the year in the Northeast 10 big seven foot one center. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see just how he handles, you know, kind of just the up and down pace, the up and down game. But if he can protect the rim, all right, against West Liberty, and then, hey, you know, the rest of the team get out, take away the catch and shoot threes. You know, Coach, you know, Ted Hodling has done a great job all year in New Haven. You know, even though this is their first Elite Eight, you know, this is a veteran group. And so, you know, you know that they're going to be up to the challenge. And, you know, I'm sure, hey, you know, they, they might have a chip on their shoulder right now. You know, just like I'm sure we're going to talk about Missouri St. Louis. And so, you know, these teams that get seeded seven and eight, even though they're seated, you know, with, with the with the lower seeds, if you will. You know, there are like we've seen with with what we're talking about March Madness. All right. Seven and eight can easily upset, you know, any team in this tournament that we have left. Absolutely. I think the seeding, the seeding can either it can motivate you for sure. 
mm-hmm. you know, can definitely motivate you. So when we look at the third game of the afternoon, uh, we're talking about, of course, the number one ranked, the number one seeded Nova Southeastern Sharks. And we're talking about eight seed Umsel University of Missouri St. Louis Tritons. Uh, the Tritons come in, they're 24 and 10 out of the Great Lakes Valley Conference. Nova Southeastern enters this matchup, number one in the country, led by coach Jim Crutchfield. They are 33 and 0. Uh, they lead the country in scoring, averaging 103 points per game. They lead the country in scoring margin with an average victory of 27 points. And they force more turnovers. Nova Southeastern forces more turnovers than anyone else in the country. Opponents are turning it over 23 times per game against Nova Southeastern. Now, UMSL, they got an uphill climb, just like the first 33 opponents have had against Nova Southeastern. Rob, what are you seeing in our third matchup? I mean, you mentioned margin of victory there, Chris. You know, I mean, Nova has a 27-point average margin of victory. Their margin of victory in the NCAA tournament, just the three NCAA tournament games, is 33 points per game. And so, you know, they've taken it up a level. And so, you know, they are been super impressive here these first three games in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, without saying, I mean, Coach Crutchfield, you know, has done a phenomenal job. I mean, R.J. Sinahara, Dallas Graziani, Kobe Rogers, Will Yoakum, I mean, putting in 33 points in the regional final game. And so, you know, they're, they're going to be extremely tough to beat. But first, we got to give Coach Bob Sunfold in the, in the, in the, tight, in the Tritons some love here. All right. I mean, Bob Sonefold and Missouri St. Louis lost all five starters from last year's team. They brought in 14 newcomers this year, Chris. <laughs> and for him to put together and make it to the Elite Eight, it, it's unbelievable. It, I mean, Isaiah Fuller, Bowen Sandquist, I mean, those guys have done a tremendous job. Fuller, 27 points in the regional final for the most outstanding player. But the, the complete roster revamp that Coach Bob Sonefold has done this year has just been remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. This is only their second ever uh, regional title for UMSL. Coach Sunville did a terrific job. You talk about turnover and you talk about like the the status of college basketball. We're seeing it um, at the highest level in Division One, but it's trickled down Division Two, II, Division Three. With the portal, you're getting older players. And older for older players, it's easier to adjust quickly. It's easier to get them to buy in. I think there's more maturity. There's more understanding of what it takes to be successful. And so UMSL, you know, to bring, to have the roster overhaul that they had to finish 24 and 10, um, you know, I, I think is a tremendous credit to coach, uh, to coach Bob UMSL. And, you know, the matchup with Nova Southeastern, again, they have time to prepare. Yes. Could this could this be a, a huge advantage for hey, them? Well, it was you for know? Black Hill I mean, State last year. That's exactly right. You know, so how do you manage the pressure? How do you manage uh, the space and the pace offensively? I think, you know, I, I think it's I think the guard play, as we've talked about all podcast long, you know, guard play is going to be essential. Can you take care of the ball? Can you um, can you advance it and, and play good to great and not just against the pressure? Like if you beat the press, are you, are you going to attack and finish? You beat the press, are you going to pull it out and make it a possession battle, a time mm-hmm. battle? Um, yeah, what do you like about um, UMSL? 
Yeah, and I, I, I like their veterans. You know, Isaiah Fuller, you know, is a stud player. Bowen Sandquist, you know, one of the best players in the Midwest region. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think this truly just comes down to, you know, is Missouri-St. Louis going to turn the ball over or are they not? And so, you know, we've talked about before. I mean, Nova Southeastern, number one in the country in forcing turnovers. Right now, Missouri-St. Louis has the number 30 turnover percentage and only 14.1. All right, so we look yeah. at that contrast there, 23% turnover to 14% turnover. And so Missouri-St. Louis, if they can if they can take care of the ball, all right, and just not turn over, not give Nova Southeastern those easy run-out dunks and points and R.J. Sinahara, Kobe Rogers dunking all over you, all right? If they can just make them into more of a half-court team and just take care of the ball, I think Missouri-St. Louis is good. And that, I mean, that's what Black Hill State did a lot last year. You know, and it helps to have versatile players. I mean, just taking last year's blueprint, Joel Scott at the forward position for Black Hill State as a ball handling forward, as a ball handling big guy, made handling that press a lot easier. And so Missouri St. Louis, if they're bigs, you know, and just the variety of guard play can handle the ball, not turn it over, not give Nova Southeastern those easy runouts. I think Missouri St. Louis, they're going to be right there at the end of the game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Missouri-St. Louis can be in the game with their backcourt play. I think Nova Southeastern, you know, like Dallas Graziano. Um, I think you know their their depth is going to be the biggest concern. Uh, their guard play and their depth is the biggest concern for UMSL. Uh, you know, I mean, and and just the pace, the pace of the game is going to be such a change for UMSL compared to, you know, what they're used to. So that'll be, that'll be a really good matchup later on this evening. And our, our fourth game of the night is going to feature the four and five seeds uh, of the NCAA division two elite eight, number four, Cal state San Bernardino and number five, Lincoln Memorial university about as evenly matched as you could get. Cal San Bernardino comes in 30 and three Lincoln Memorial 30 wins four losses. Cal San Bernardino out of the California collegiate athletic association. They've won 15 straight heading into the elite eight LMU rolls in out of the South Atlanta conference with the second best field goal percentage in the country. They shoot it better than 52% from the field. And, uh, you know, two really good rebounding teams. San, San Bernardino, the best overall rebounding team in the country. Uh, Lincoln Memorial, the uh, best defensive rebounding team in the country. So going to be a fun matchup to really evenly matched teams. What do you see out of Lincoln Memorial and uh, Cal State San Bernardino? Yeah, two extremely talented offensive teams. I mean, just the, both these teams have extremely talented players. But both teams are really good scheme defenses as far as, you know, you look at the first thing that jumps out with these teams is Brandon Napper, all right? All-American, you know, makes the most three-and-a-half threes per game, all right? Then you look at the other side. You look at Quay Kennedy. You look at Chase Rankin, Jordan Guest, you know, Mikel Burries. I mean, just Lincoln Memorial has so much talent and offensive firepower. But at the same time, they're an elite defensive team. I mean, Coach Coach Samaripas at Lincoln Memorial has done a great job. I mean, coming out of the southeast region, we talked about there, Chris, one of the toughest regions in the country. And so, you know, I mean, Lincoln Memorial is really tough defensively. And so the the biggest question is, you know, what are they going to do with Brandon Knapper? 
All right. How are they going to guard his ball screens? Are they going to, you know, are they going to, you know, blitz him? Are they going to, you know, show up to the level? Are they going to drop? Are they going to, you know, kind of test the waters and see if Napper's feeling it, you know, or what are they going to do? And so it comes down to then, you know, if you you take Brandon Napper away, does Dontrell Schuler step up? Does Eddie Davis step up? And Eddie Davis, he stepped up big in the regional final against Point Loma. And so, you know, San Bernardino is not just a one man show. And so they got guys that if you take away Napper, all right, Dontrell Schuler, Eddie Davis, they're going to make you pay if you make them play four on three. And so Coach Andy Newman's done a great job with San Bernardino. But I think it starts with how's Lincoln Memorial going to defend Brandon Napper? And then how is San Bernardino going to try and slow down that high-powered offense of Lincoln Memorial? Where, you know, Lincoln Memorial doesn't have one engine of creation. They got like three to four engines of creation, Chris, like, like we well know. And so, you know, it's, it's that true contrast of, you know, uh, you know, how does Lincoln Memorial shut down Brandon Napper? And then how does San Bernardino try and at least, you know, put the brakes on Lincoln Memorial's high powered offense. Yeah. Lincoln Memorial comes in with five players in double figures. You know, Matthew Sells is 9.8 off off the bench. Uh, Martez Brown, again, you know, 9.5. Lincoln Memorial can flat out score the basketball, and they score it at their own pace. Uh, not always super fast in transition, but just dice execution. I think when you look at uh, Cal State San Bernardino, you know, their scores, their scores, if you go through – you know, how they've played recently have been lower. You know, they, they, they've won in the 60s. Um, they've won in the 80s. But mostly, you know, mostly, I mean, they can score it. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently they've been a little hit and miss. So how's the pace of the game going to uh, affect Cal State San Bernardino? Who do they, who do they key on, right? When you're guarding Lincoln Memorial, like who are you going to take away? Yeah. And then who are you going to, who are you going to play, you know, kind of play fire with? Yeah, Lincoln Memorial has so many different points of attack off from an offensive perspective. They can go in so many different directions, you know, that you can't just think, okay, I'm just going to take away, you know, this head of the snake. You know, even though, I mean, Chase Rankin's one of the best point guards in the country, but still, you know, if if you put, you know, a lot of emphasis on on taking away Chase Rankin, you know, Mikel Burries, uh, Jordan Walters, Matthew Sells, Quay Kennedy, obviously the Southeast Regional Most Outstanding Player. I can hurt you and then shoot, you know, the Southeast most outstanding player from 2000, from 2021, Jordan guest is still there. And you know, if you don't pay attention to him, he's going to knock down, you know, you know, pop, pop, pop three threes, like nothing. And so, you know, they just got so much firepower, but once again, and you know, Lincoln Memorial, you know, is similar to a Northwest Missouri state as far as they always get a lot of attention for the offense, which deservedly so, but it's the Lincoln Memorial defense, which, you know, has always made that program, you know, a, a winning program versus just a flashy program. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, th- those are the four matchups that we have coming up later this afternoon, uh, Tuesday, the winners will advance and play in the final four on Thursday, March 23rd. And then the division two national championship will be on uh, Saturday, March 25th. So a lot of good stuff to look forward to still with small college basketball. Rob and I will be back next week to wrap up NCAA Division II to recap what happens in the Elite Eight. We'll talk more Bevo Francis Award as we have whittled the list down to 25 players remaining on the Bevo Francis Award watch list. Rob, before we go, any names that stand out to you in that last 
25. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard besides, to differentiate. Besides all of them. Yeah, it's hard. Them. These are 25 <laughs> studs here from a variety of levels, you know. But, I mean, first name that stands out here, not just because it's at the top of the list, but Caden Anderson, all right? And, you know, San Bernardino knocked out Point Loma in the regional final. But for those of you who didn't watch the game, Caden Anderson – sprained his ankle on, on a made three about like the fourth or fifth possession of the game and sat out probably about five to seven minutes, but then came back in and was limping up and down the court and still getting buckets. And so this guy's one of the most talented players in the country. A th- he's going to be a three-time All-American, a three-time, you know, uh, Pacific West Conference Player of the Year, Frank Champion out of North Georgia, six-foot-seven versatile playmaker, Josiah Johnson, Zach Goodline out of Huntington, all right, we talked about him. Christian Parker at a Mountain Union, all right, one of the most versatile playmakers in the country. And then shoot, Mason Walters. I mean, six foot nine. You know, I don't have the final stats in front of me, but I believe he was either number one or number two in NAI points and rebounds per game, Chris. Yeah, just incredible numbers. Um, incredible numbers across the board for all 25 of these nominees. And again, this is based on individual stats individual achievements, uh, as well as awards, uh, personal character, and team achievements. So a lot of guys to get through. We will do that next week. We'll go through uh, that list and talk about more of the Bevo Francis Award nominees next week in our pod. But, Rob, I got to say, this one was a lot of fun because we crowned some national champions. We're looking ahead to Division Two kicking off later. Uh, and we still got, you know, we do have Division One basketball to watch, but Division Two is going to be a, a treat here Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Oh, it's, it's going to be so much fun. And, hey, you know, it's, I'm, Tuesday is going to be a long day watching basketball. That, that is our four elite games, no pun intended there. All right. But, yeah, you can catch them all, you know, like you said, streaming online, NCAA.com. And so, yeah, those are four great games that I can't wait to watch. Yeah, I can't wait, Rob. Going to be a uh, going to be a blast, and we'll talk to everyone next week with a recap of Division Two and some more Bevo Francis Award watch list details. Enjoy the hoops. Thanks. You too, Chris. Thank you for listening to this week's Small College Basketball Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe for our weekly episodes and interviews devoted to the incredible players, teams, coaches, alumni, and history all across levels of small college basketball. And if you're a fan of the Small College Basketball Podcast, please leave us a five-star review. We encourage our fans to use the link attached to this episode to share the Small College Basketball Podcast with your family, friends, and other small college basketball fans. The Small College Basketball Podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. You can follow Small College Basketball on Twitter and Facebook or visit our website, www.smallcollegebasketball.com. Small College Basketball would like to thank Visit Central Florida for their support. Start planning your Central Florida vacation now at visitcentralflorida.com. That's visitcentralflorida.com.